0: Give him a hand.
1: circumstance, you know, all of the, the most minute details in this, each one of these situations. And we just, we just want you to have your way, Lord. That's the best thing that we can ask is that your will would be done in every one of these matters, Lord. We want you to just reveal yourself to them, to show them who you are in their trials and their circumstances and in their time of need. And we just ask, Lord, that you would get all of the praise and all of the glory for whatever Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus precious name. Amen. <coughs> you can all be seated. Um, <coughs> no announcements. We don't have those back there. There's a work day on Saturday. There is absolutely a work day on Saturday. Uh and there's a lot of stuff to do. So everybody that can be here, we appreciate your help. Um there's the Biblical Insights con- um conference that's coming up next week. Um, everybody be here for that. If you can possibly make it, it will be a blessing to you. It will it will be if you can possibly make it, it will be a blessing to your pastor. He will appreciate you being here. And if you and if you are here there's a good chance it it'll make his job easier in the future. If you clean some of the things from that conference. Praise the Lord. Harvest party on the twenty eighth. I'm doing all this by memory from uh, which doesn't get me far these days. Um, any other announcements? All right. Fair enough. I apologize for looking a little grubby. I uh, I came straight from work. I drove 500 miles from Bend, Oregon this morning and uh, came. I got home just in time to eat something and then get, get somewhat cleaned up to come here. And uh, there was... <coughs> There was a, uh, on on the, on the way home from Bend, anybody know where Bend is? It's, it's, it's well, it's 500 miles away. You, you picked that up already. There's a donut shop. It's actually a little country grocery store that makes donuts. Real, real donuts. And I stopped in there this morning at about 7 o'clock, and I wanted to get one. I mean, I wanted to get one, but I didn't. I got three. And if anybody wants to know did I bring anybody any any donuts home for anybody else the answer is no because a 500 mile trip and a box of donuts come on now that's that's a positively unsustainable situation <clears throat> praise the lord let's turn to the book of John and if you would stand with me we want to give the highest honor to the word of the Lord. John chapter 4, story that uh, probably a good number of you know. I have a lot of notes. I'm not going to get through all of it. I'm going to keep to pastor's custom and and uh, clip this off at 730. And uh, so if you're given to taking notes, I'm just going to give out some scriptures. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. <coughs> John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. I'm going to read this whole encounter here all the way through to verse 26. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. How many of you think that she's, she's gotten the clue that she's in the presence of somebody who's a little bit more than what he looks like? Verse 16, Jesus saith to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidst truly. She's getting a little bit more of a clue now. This was a big one. The woman saith to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped, In this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith to her, woman, believe me. And this is where this whole exchange was headed. Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers... Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And now he just blows her mind. Jesus saith to her, I that speak unto thee am he. pretty potent stuff right there that's a pretty serious conversation and uh, this woman got way way more than she bargained for out of this whole thing brother Jesse would you pray real quick and ask the Lord to bless this time tonight you for standing you may be seated going back to verse 10 I'm sorry brother Joel or Jonathan whoever's doing the uh, the, I didn't give you a list but uh, we're going to be primarily in the book of John back to verse 10 Jesus answered and said unto her if thou knewest I don't have a title either so you guys are just going to have to pick one somebody will Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So here's the question What is the gift of God here? He said, If thou knewest the gift of God, so what is this gift that he's talking about? I'll tell you, it's not the gift of the Holy Ghost because that had not yet been given. John chapter 7 says, this spake he of the Spirit, the uh, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. In fact, the word given is in italics there, which it says the Holy Ghost was not yet, for that Jesus was not yet glorified. What does John chapter 3 and verse 16 say? Anybody know that one? Anybody know that one by heart? What was that? John three sixteen. Yes. That he what? That he what? Gave? Gave. That he gave. What's the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind? The one that was standing right before this woman. If thou knewest the gift of God and he that you're speaking to right now. The son is the gift. The one that was speaking to her in that moment was the gift. He was the gift. All right. Moving down to verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. You don't even know what you worship. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, who's he talking to here? He's talking to a Samaritan woman, and they knew what they worship. They worship Yahweh, the same Yahweh that the the full-blooded Jews worshiped the God of Abraham, but they didn't know him. And more importantly, they didn't know who he had become. Right? She didn't know who this was she was speaking to. He said, you don't know who you're worshiping. And this statement, salvation is of the Jews. Salvation had issued forth out of the Jewish lineage, and this conversation was taking place in an Israelite province between two Hebrew speaking people of Jewish lineage and so that word salvation was the Hebrew word Yeshua he said Yeshua is of the Jews all right and that is in uh, translated Jesus in the New Testament the name Jesus in Hebrew it literally means Yeshua is salvation okay Isaiah 12 two, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. The Yah- Yahweh is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. That's a prophetic statement talking about Yahweh becoming. You can read something very similar to that in Exodus 15 and Psalm 118. The Hebrew word for salvation in these Old Testament verses here. Is Yeshua, the name translated Jesus in the New Testament. So this is saying the, the Lord Yahweh is become Jesus. I don't know how you could word that name. He chose that name for his own incarnation. His human manifestation was Yahweh become salvation. Matthew 121, as she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. You're going to call his name, Yahweh is salvation. Praise the Lord. So back to the book of John, uh, the fourth chapter, verse 23. But the hour cometh, he says, and now is when the true worshipers, and this is the point I want to get to, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This tells us something. God is seeking true worship. He's seeking it. He's looking for it. All right? So what is this worshiping in spirit? Again, this is not worshiping in the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost had not yet been given. All right? And the Lord says very clearly here, the hour now is. The hour cometh, but now is, that the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So this is something different. So what about this truth thing? What is this? What is is he talking about? To worship in spirit, but also in truth. How do we worship in truth? And what is the truth that is so often mentioned in Scripture? All throughout the Word of God, you see... The phrase, the truth, and that is something very, very specific. Uh, You can read, I'll give you a few verses here. John chapter 8, verse 40, John 14 and verse 6, Romans 18, uh, excuse me, 1, 18, and 25. That one's a very potent passage about talking about the truth and men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 3, 7 Galatians chapter 2 and verse 5 and verse 14. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 and 12. Does that one ring a bell to anybody? Talks about having a love for the truth or not having a love for the truth. All right? The truth. John chapter 18 and verse 37. Pilate therefore saith unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. All right. This is really important right here because he tells us something. He says, to this end was I born. He tells us this is what it's all about. It's not about our salvation. This is what it's all about. For this To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. So which truth? What is he talking about? This is the truth of who God is. Whenever you see that, that's what it's talking about, the truth about who God is, his character, his nature, his attributes, and especially his identity. Um, Romans chapter 1, I mentioned this one earlier beginning with verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? They hold the truth in unrighteousness. These are people that are very close to the truth, but they're not doing the right things with it, who hold the truth in unrighteousness because now what are we talking about here? The truth, what is that? Verse 19, because that which may be known of God, There's a clue there is manifest in them for God has showed it to them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. And when you skip down to verse 23, it says that these these people change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things, and what did they do in verse 25? It says they changed what? The truth about what? About who God is. They changed it into something else. And any time you touch that, any time you mess around with that, it's going to become a lie. They changed the truth of God into a lie, and then worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen and the rest of this chapter tells about the downward spiral spiral of idolatry um, but this is all talking about the truth the one truth and that's the truth about God who he is and his nature and his identity John chapter 1 verse 18 no man has seen God at any time the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father he hath declared him declared meaning, to narrate or to make known or to unfold or reveal. This isn't just to herald. This is something much more significant than that, something that only the Son could do, by the way. So Jesus Christ came to declare who God is to his creation and to make him known. Yes, he did come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said that himself, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. But what was lost? The whole world was full of lost souls, but that was a symptom of a greater and a prior problem. Something that goes all the way back to the garden where the intimate fellowship and the intimate knowledge of God was lost. And that's what Jesus came to restore. Praise God. So what had been lost first that resulted in a world of lost souls was the intimate fellowship between God and man in the garden And the intimacy of that personal knowledge and the personal understanding of who he is. And Jesus Christ came to restore that intimate fellowship and to make known the intimate knowledge of God that had been lost when man left the garden. Praise the Lord. Yes, John 12, 47, it says that Jesus came to save the world. He said, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. But how are we saved? Through faith, through our knowledge of him, by our personal intimate knowledge of him, his identity, his plan. Ephesians 2, eight for by grace ye are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is the gift. Then what is that again? That's God's willingness to make himself known to us. His desire to be known in his creation And he has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 10. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Wait a minute. Of God our Savior? That almost sounds like he's saying that God is, or that Jesus Christ is God. I think that's very, very purposeful right there. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Well, what has appeared to us? Jesus Christ. The grace of God manifest to us. The grace of God that bringeth salvation. Yahweh is salvation. See what this verse is saying here? Hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Both of them. The great God and our Savior. Oh, they're the same thing. All right, John uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth. Came by Jesus Christ. Grace, God desiring to make himself known to us and truth, the truth about who he is. That came by Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father. He hath declared him. Now, this segues into. um, Well, let me back up a little bit so with regarding uh, uh, worshiping in truth we must worship in the truth of who Jesus Christ is okay the true worshipers worship in the truth of who Jesus Christ is okay he is god become man remember yahweh is salvation that's what that name means john 14:6 says jesus saith unto him I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And this is one of those passages of Scripture that just has layer after layer to it, and you really need to dig deep into this. He said, I am the way. What does that mean? Anybody ever thought about that? What what exactly does that mean when he says, I am the way? All right? That word way is also translated in, in a couple of other places, highway. Are there any highways nearby? I'm sorry, i got to turn my phone off. Somebody's texting me. Are there any highways nearby? Where at? Highway 50. Which direction does that go, east or west? Both directions. Jesus said, I am the way. He is the way that we approach God. But he's also the way that God approaches us. He is the way that we come to know God. And he's also the way that God makes himself known to us. All right. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway For our God, Jesus Christ is a highway. He is an avenue by which we reach God, and he is the avenue by which God reaches to us. Isn't that awesome? I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. So we can't relate to God in his transcendence. He's unrelatable, and and he can't relate to us, so he has to make a way, and Jesus Christ is that way. The way that God relates to us and how we relate to him. Praise the Lord. That just really flicks my switch. That really excites me. The truth is the reality of God as he presents himself in time. He said, I am the way and I am the truth. What truth is he talking about? The truth about who God is. He's saying, I am the truth about who God is. What did he say to Philip? Philip's like, Look, just show us the father already, please. Thomas wasn't the only one, you know. And what did he say to him? Philip. Haven't I been with you long? It, he that has seen me has seen the father. You don't need to look any further. I think some people have this image in their minds of they see Jesus and then they kind of see the father over his shoulder in the background. Right. Right. Well, you don't need to look any further than him. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is what you can know about God, all right? The truth is the reality of God as he presents himself into time to us. Again, John 1, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, the truth about who God is, came by Jesus Christ. John 8, 31 Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right? Five verses later in verse 36, he says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you got one verse right there that says the truth will make you free, and then another verse that says the Son will make you free. You see how those two are exactly the same. Jesus Christ is the truth about God. John 5.33, he sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. That's what John was all about. And yet in John 1.15, it says, John bear witness of him, Jesus Christ, saying, this was he of whom I spoke. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So John bore witness of the truth, but it also says that he bore witness of Jesus. The same thing. Those two verses are telling us the same thing. Ephesians 4.21, if so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That doesn't mean that you know, he's a truthful person, that means the truth of who God is is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. What time is it? 716. All right. John chapter 4 says the true worshiper shall worship him in spirit and in truth. And the spirit and the truth are related in knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Worship him, worshiping him in truth means knowing who he is, Right? Knowing His nature, knowing His identity, you cannot give substantive worship to somebody you don't know. Does that make sense? I know I use this analogy before. What would you What would you think if you were in the grocery store and a person you have never met in your life comes up to you and just starts praising you? Oh, you are you're such a a valuable person. I mean, you are really a great. What's your name again? Kylie, I'm talking to you, in case you weren't sure. (laughs) Your name's Kylie? Nice to meet you, Kylie. I think you are a fabulous person. Kylie doesn't know this person from Adam. What is she going to do? She's going to start backing away from this person, going, you are a crazy person, right? How much would that mean to you if somebody just started telling you just how fabulous you were, and you know they don't know who you are? The Father is seeking true worship. He wants words that have substance and meaning from people that know his nature, from people that really know who he is. Mm. Worshiping in spirit means worshiping in sincerity. That also relates to knowing who he is. Sincerity in heart, sincerity in spirit. Sincere worship is substantive worship. And God, who we're seeking after, is seeking those kinds of people to worship him. So the more we know him, the more sincere our worship will be. And worshiping the Father in truth means knowing his true identity as he has revealed himself in creation. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Praise God. He is the truth of the reality of God because he is God manifest or God revealed to his creation. We can't know him in transcendence, but we can know him in his manifestation. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is not some kind of second person or a lesser person or anything at all other than God Almighty become flesh. And that is the foundation on which everything else that matters rests. Everything else of significance rests upon the foundation of that revelation. The foundation of the gospel according to Romans 1, 1 through 4. And it's the foundation of our faith according to 2 Peter chapter 1. You can read that. The way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God, and there is no other way to God. None. There's no other way to know God. If you don't know the Son, you don't know the Father. Praise God. True worship is the worship of Jesus Christ with the knowledge of his deity and his humanity. Praise God. The gift that the Lord was speaking of in John 4.10 is the gift of the Son. We talked about that. There are many gifts that God gave and gives, such as the gift of the Holy Ghost, spiritual gifts, the fivefold ministry, the gift of repentance, the gift of remission. Uh, Conviction is a gift. Uh, His grace is a gift. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Still coming down. So he gives men gifts, but the Lord says here, The gift. There is one significant gift, all right? And it is the greatest gift, and it is out of that gift that all of the other gifts flow. So if we're seeking all of these other gifts, we're missing the greatest gift, which is the gift of the Son, out of whom all of these other things flow. So it's here we are again. It's all about him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that he is the greatest gift and the greatest thing that we can do and achieve in life is receive that gift, receive the knowledge of that gift and knowing and understanding him, just like it says in Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 and 24. The human emphasis and the focus on all of these other gifts creates a selfishness inside of us because it puts the focus on us as the recipients instead of looking at the giver of those gifts. All right, and and all of those other things are, they're just things. They're very important things to be sure. Jesus used the fish to reveal himself to Peter, right? How significant were those fish the next day? Just a boat full of smelly, stinky, putrid, rotting fish, all right? But that was a very potent gift that got Peter's attention, really revealed to him that this person that he would been listening to was much more than he had anticipated. Praise God. And uh, in, in the very next chapter in Luke 6, when the Lord is talking, he talks about, he, uh, about the man who built his house on a rock and one that built his house upon a sand. And what I like about that one is different from Matthew is that he says the man who built his house upon a rock there's one, there's two words that are different there that this, this one records differently than Matthew. Does anybody know what it is? It says that he digged deep. What did he dig deep through? To get to the rock. What did he dig deep through? A whole bunch of stuff that wasn't God. It was very close to God. What I mean, it's sand, right? What is sand? Tiny little bits of rock. All right? There are a whole lot of things that pertain to life in the kingdom of God that are not God. We need to recognize that stuff and not get hung up on those things. I want to repeat that. There are a whole lot of things that pertain to life in the church and in the kingdom of God that are not God. We need to be able to draw a distinction between Jesus Christ and the fish. They're just fish. There's something that he used to reveal himself, and we need to be able to dig through that stuff. And That's not to say that it's worthless. Sand is actually a very valuable thing, but it's not the rock. And you got to move all that stuff aside. It has its place. All of the things that, that, that surround us in the kingdom of God, they have their place. But we need to know what the rock is. We need to have our feet firmly planted on that rock. Roman, the, the tail end of Romans in uh, chapter 16, it says that we are established by this foundation. Meaning our feet are planted on a rock. Anybody ever known somebody who came into the church and and received the Acts 2.30 experience that was here for a little while and then something offended them or something got their attention and they blew out days, weeks, months, years later? What was the problem? They weren't established. They didn't dig through all the stuff. Their feet were on sand and sand moves. You ever been standing on the the sand when when the water comes in? You ever felt it literally shift beneath your feet? Everything that's not God is sand. And we've got to strive to root ourselves on the foundation of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Praise God. 725. i got five minutes. I am not going to go past 730. So I'm gonna skip some stuff here. The Lord is telling this woman that it's time. He's speaking with regard to time. The hour cometh and now is. It's time for for worship to change from ignorant worship to knowledgeable worship. Because the son is declaring the father and because he is disclosing and revealing the father, it's time to know what's happening. No man has seen God at any time The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath revealed him, unfolded him, declared him. Praise the Lord. This oneness doctrine that we preach is the foundation of worship in spirit and in truth. That's what it's all about. Praise God. This woman was worshiping in spirit, but she wasn't worshiping in truth. She had a sincerity and she had a zeal. But it was not according to knowledge, the knowledge of who God was. And more importantly, who he had become in her time right before her. Of all of the things that he could have dealt with when speaking to this woman. When when he talked about her husband, that was just to get her attention and it got her attention. But of all of the things that he could have dealt with when speaking to her, he chose what was the most fundamental issue in her life was the truth about who God is. And that is the same thing for everybody today. The most fundamental issue in all of life for every one of us, every one of us here and everyone outside of this place is having the knowledge of God. That is the difference between true worship and ignorant worship. It is the most important thing that we can know. If you miss this, if you miss this foundation, everything else doesn't matter, folks. It doesn't matter, and you're not going to be established. And when the storms come, and they will come. If you haven't been through a storm that, that literally rocks your world, just you will. The difference between those that stand through those things and those that don't are the ones that have their feet planted on the foundation, which is the revelation of the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Thank you all for coming. Let's all stand. Brother Sharon, would you pray a dismissal, please?